Reasonable men agree the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast is a podcast. The Medicare podcast that doesn't leave an aftertaste. The only time he was wrong was the time he thought he made a mistake. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello again, ladies and gentlemen. You're back for another episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We are so happy to have you joining us, and I'm hoping that you find this to be a rewarding and uh, uh, time well spent period of your life. We're going to try to keep the lid on the length of time that we uh, take up from you today, but I'm hoping that you'll gain some interesting, if not valuable, knowledge about Medicare. After all, we are here to help people feel comfortable about the impending Medicare process. Most of our listeners are people who are contemplating the approach of Medicare and uh, don't really know much about it or what to do about it or how they should um, go about it. And so what I do is I say this podcast is going to be your entree to the world of Medicare. However, we can't sit here and uh, give you every little detail that you need. So what I would suggest that you do is to buy Medicare for the lazy man. The 2022 edition is up on Amazon and uh, that will provide you in a fairly short period of time with the knowledge that you need to become as expert about Medicare as almost anybody else in the United States is right now. So if you go to Amazon.com, you can buy a paperback, you can buy a hardcover, you can buy an Audible, uh, you can buy a Kindle or an ebook version. So any of those types, and they're all attractively priced uh, so that the even uh, budgets that are uh, under pressure from the uh, current state of the economy are able to uh, enjoy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022, without uh, straining, without breaking the budget. So um, I would suggest that if you want to learn about Medicare, that's going to be the best way to do it. Now, just sitting around uh, listening to a podcast, there's a limited amount of information we can shovel your way, but I can't do it all by myself. I have help. And I have help from Randy Carson, who is my uh, program engineer and uh, a uh, lifelong software engineer. And he often plays a little ditty that I'm going to shut up and let him play right now that explains our process in or our, uh, our reason for being. So uh, here it goes. Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Thank you, Randy. Uh, that explains why we're here, I think, very succinctly. So you are um, looking around like uh, it's uh, <laughs> confusing to be where you are today. Are, is everything okay? Oh, it's good. I'm just happy because the sun's out. I'm sitting here in Arizona. 
Uh, how could life be any better? What the heck happened last night? We had a big storm come through that came through from the north, which is an unusual direction for a storm to yeah. come from. Yeah, I uh, I was out with Margaret uh, recovering my lawn furniture. Uh, which some was pers- trying to get away? Was it to jump over <laughs> the fence? And- it always turns out that it's in the pool. I don't know just exactly why that works that way. But uh, one time several years ago, we bought we were just so proud of this. We bought a brand spanking new umbrella for our uh-huh. table. Sure. I mean, this this was the absolutely the top of the line. This thing had automatic swivels. It knew, you know, it knew how to turn and, you know, what direction it was. I mean, this was the deal for an yeah. umbrella. Yeah, it did everything but fold itself up in high wind. Yes, right? and it did. Well, actually, it also served drinks. <laughs> uh, I, I, I kid you not. This thing was just the deal. And so we normally, as you know, in, um, in Arizona, you cannot leave an umbrella up. Right. Because the wind, you never know when the wind's going to come up. And it is strong wind out here. Doesn't yeah. last long, but it's strong. So, okay. Now, you know where this is going, right? Well, okay, I, so. I have an idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I say, oh, my God, let's use our big brand new fancy umbrella. It's got cranks. It's got, you know, it's got everything. So I said, let's have let's have happy hour outside on, on the table, you know, underneath our fancy Dan new umbrella. So we did. I kid you not. We got done with our drinks and we're bringing in, you know, the snack tray and this and that and the other thing. And the umbrella was still up. A gust of wind took that umbrella out of our table while we were in the house, and it was never anywhere to be found again. Oh, it, really? I thought you were going to say it wound up swimming, uh, doing uh, the backstroke no, in the pool. No, it's it's like something sucked it up into the heavens, and oh, we boy. never found it. I, I mean, we even posted on, you know, what's that? What's that? Uh, there's a local uh, kind of a face, the, uh, local uh, Cape neighborhood. Creek, uh, the yeah, Cave the neighbor, Creek uh, neighborhood infamous thing. bulletin board. Yeah, you, we posted. We posted on. We have an HOA website, so we posted there, and we posted everywhere we could think of. Anybody got an umbrella that popped up into their yard? You know, yesterday. Boy, yeah. Nope. And so you didn't rush out and replace it. You knew that that was a sign there, from the heavens that uh, there, probably was wasn't ne- a good idea, huh? There's no umbrella in that table anymore. Yeah. And the reason, because I was just never meant to have an umbrella, apparently. <laughs> well, that's I don't feel too badly. We have friends that moved here from uh, La Quinta, California, and yeah. uh, they built a multi-million dollar house on dynamite uh, down near the Verde River. Uh, you know, near the dead end of dynamite, there's a a very nice uh, golf uh, resort, uh, not resort, a golf uh, development. Uh, that's been lying fallow for a long time. I think it was actually planted out and started about 20 years ago. And then when the economy hit the skids in 07 and 08, they uh, just walked away from it. So finally, it was reinvigorated, and there's all kinds of construction going on there. So our friends built a really, really nice house, like a multi-million dollar house. And uh, the uh, they we went over to see the finished product, and they were showing us around. And he said, "Okay, we have one flaw in the house." Um, he said, "The prevailing wind is from the west, and so we were on the east side of the house in a beautiful swimming pool and and uh, backyard area and everything." And he said, "But see our outdoor kitchen right over there? Yeah, well, go go walk over there and and uh, look, take a look at the kitchen. 
as soon as you walk past the edge of the house, boom, blasted by this west wind that never seemed to quit. And he said, we're, we have to do something about that. And we're applying for a building permit to build a wall so that we can actually enjoy our backyard because you get near that corner and it's like a tornado. The wind speed is incredible going past his house. You know, that, that would be my luck. You know, I, I, I build a house and for some reason, you know, I wouldn't have the feng shui right with the wind. And yeah, I mean, we, we've got, I mean, I know this is not true, <laughs> but because I am so sensitive to wind, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I just like peace and quiet. I like to sit there and suck on my Guinness and I like yeah. to be left alone. I don't like to be blown. I don't like to be anything. Yeah. So anyway, long story short is I think it blows out here 24, seven, 365. I know it doesn't, but, God, it's, it sure seems like it. Well, you know where we are. I think for wind, we picked a bad area. We're kind of halfway up the mountains. And uh, like uh, this a friend of ours is down near the Verde River. You, if you drive from Scottsdale to his house, it's like eight or 10 miles of downhill yeah. right yeah. into that river valley. And um, if when I was a kid hanging around in Scottsdale, and um, farther south in Paradise Valley, uh, all the places my grandparents lived when I was a kid, uh, I don't recall the wind ever having been a factor in my enjoyment of anything. And I would swim no. all, I'd be out here in January when you and I know that the weather is iffy at best. The temperature is uh, not as tropical as we would like to have. it. And I swam every day when I was a kid. Now, kids are impervious to, uh, you know, temperature problems, but uh, still, had it been stormy and windy all the time i think i would have remembered that oh i know and i kid you not i i got well i don't i don't remember it being windy back in nebraska but everybody that ever moved out there you know like i hired people in from all over the world to come work at the bank yeah and they would the first word out of their mouth was oh my god it's so freaking windy here it never yeah. stops and, and i never noticed it there but out here yeah i do yeah, well, you're just north of Kansas, and that's known for being breezy, I think. Well, that's so, in between in between the tornadoes, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, listen, um, we have a uh, an interesting topic. It's not really a Medicare topic. It's more a topic of general interest for everybody. Uh, when I read this, I thought, my God, how does this kind of thing happen? Oh, I did want to, uh, one hanging Chad from a prior episode. I mentioned a guy uh, named Kim Kahana. Uh, he was a guy that was born in Hawaii and tried to stow away on a ship when he was like 10 years old to get to the mainland U.S. And um, back in the 19. 30s, I think, late 30s. And uh, then he tried it again in his early teens and managed to succeed. And I don't know why we talked about this guy, but it seems as though we're going to have listeners that are going to say, well, why didn't you finish talking about this this uh, uh, guy that with a fascinating life? So his name is Kim Kahana. He was born in 1929. Um, and I guess uh, he's Japanese, probably. Yeah, that's right. That's according to this article I printed up. But he <laughs> the people I heard talking about him that brought him to mind uh, were fans of the banana splits, which I remember from college as the best antidote for a hangover on Saturday morning. Uh, there were a bunch of uh, half hour shows, the uh, uh, the Hudson Brothers, uh, Good Time Hour, uh, the banana splits, uh, the Bill Cosby, um, uh, you know, Fat Albert. Uh, 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 
And um, I think the Harlem Globetrotters, there, there were like a bunch of half hour shows on Saturday morning that I would just plop down in front of the television with a bunch of other uh, similarly impaired individuals and try to recover from the uh, fun that we had the night before. But my favorite was always the banana splits. And uh, I didn't remember that in one year, 1968 and 69 of the banana splits, they had a live action segment instead of cartoons. And uh, it was uh, Danger Island. And for some reason, this Danger Island impressed uh, the people I was listening to their podcast. And, and there was a character named Changa. And they would go, uh-oh, Chango, and I, that uh, called Chango to solve whatever problem they had. And this this guy, Kim Kahana, played Chango. And this is, again, he was born in 29, and this was about 69. So um, in between that, he had quite a life. He um, was drafted into the Army for the Korean War and uh, served as a paratrooper. He was captured either by the Chinese or the North Koreans and was lined up with a bunch of other uh, POWs and shot, except that he figured out how to time his fall backwards into the pit full of dead bodies. And he did it in such a way that convinced the firing squad that he had actually been hit by a slug and died. And so he was alive, buried by other dead POWs that the Chinese or the, the North Koreans executed. And then they threw dirt or pushed dirt or whatever on top of the pile. And um, he was, he said he was unconscious uh, during the interview I heard, but he eventually was able to crawl out from beneath the uh, dead bodies that he was buried with and through the dirt. And I guess he surfaced um, at night and his captors were, or executor, executors were, uh, playing cards and drinking and having a good old time. And he was able to sneak away from them. Um, and then it says here also a hand grenade explosion rendered him sightless for two years and left him permanent, permanently blind in his left eye. Uh, and then in 1955, he survived a plane crash in the state of Texas that killed the other 32 people on board the airplane. Surviving this crash and his experiences in Korea imbued him with the personal life philosophy of maybe I'm right where I ought to be. And so then he went on to have a stellar uh, career in television and movies doing all kinds of stunts. And he was in, I could name movies till the cows come home, but he was um, eventually, he was originally trained by Yakima Canute and uh, did a lot of work with uh, John Wayne. And uh, he was in Cool Hand Luke, Planet of the Apes, uh, Patton, the Omega Man, uh, Soylent Green, Smokey and the Bandit, all the Smokey and the Bandit movies, and, and it went on and on and on. And eventually, he started doing his, uh, or st he formed a uh, stunt training school in Hawaii that is still being run by his adult children. And he's still, uh, still alive and has all of his marbles. So I just thought that was an interesting guy that you don't really hear about. I mean, that's uh, to cheat death as he did is kind of, uh, the kind of life I would like to lead. Uh, if I'm ever in danger of being executed by a firing squad, I would hope that I could escape it equally well. So that's a great story, Doug. I love those kind of stories because you never hear them. 
Yeah, and and with many of our episodes, you never hear the end of a story. I I tell well, I don't yeah, have to tell a beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we're always good for starting them out, and and we never land the plane somehow. Some I days. know. I wanted to fulfill that promise. So here's a uh, an article I ran across that's not specific to Medicare, but it's specific to everybody that has a problem. They get injured. They want to seek medical treatment to make sure that uh, there's nothing serious going on. So instead of going to a hospital emergency room, which can be a multi-hour process, um, I have on occasion gone to an urgent care, which is like an emergency room light. And uh, it has uh, always been a uh, more easily um, tolerated experience. And so uh, this is a little article about somebody's experience with that. The headline of this article is turned away from urgent care and toward a big emergency room bill. So I'm going to try to shorten this a little bit. But Frankie Cook was driving a friend home from high school when her car ran off a winding country road outside of Rome, Georgia. It flipped over a bunch of times and hit a tree. She wasn't badly hurt, but her family quickly ran into another problem after she was turned away from the urgent care center for insurance reasons. The um, What she was told was they don't take third-party insurance. The receptionist at the uh, urgent care said, we don't take third-party insurance, although he wasn't sure what that meant. That was her father that was uh, confused. She told me about this three times. The problem didn't seem to be that the clinic lacked the medical expertise to evaluate the girl. Uh, They seem to be confronting a reimbursement policy that is often used by urgent care centers to avoid waiting for payments from car insurance settlements. I didn't know that car insurance settlements were uh, abnormally slow. But um, so anyway, the girl's father, Russell, was told to take her to an emergency room, which by law must see everybody regardless of payment problems. The nearest one uh, to her in Rome, Georgia, or the nearest one to the girl and her father, was about a mile down the road and was owned by the same hospital system as the urgent care was. So when they got to the emergency room and sat around, and eventually the uh, a doctor looked the daughter over for a few minutes, did a precautionary, couple of precautionary CT scans of her head and body, sent her home with advice to take some Tylenol and rest. She did not have a concussion or a serious head injury, and she had to take an advanced placement exam, so they were concerned that she might have a problem that would make her not do so well on the exam. And the doctor said, no, she can uh, go ahead and take her exam without concern about that. And then the bill showed up. So the patient is an 18-year-old girl, a first-year college student from Rome, Georgia. The medical services were a medical evaluation and two CT scans. The service provider was a hospital system in Georgia with urgent care centers in northwest Georgia and northeastern Alabama. And the total bill from the emergency room, $17,000. It was later adjusted to 11800 almost $12,000, after a duplicate charge was removed. So then the, uh, the next <laughs> little notation is, what gives? Well, the Cook family hit a hazard in the health care system after the girl's car struck the tree. More and more hospital systems own urgent care centers, and they have limits on who they treat for both financial and medical reasons. The father was pretty upset after he received the large bill, especially when he had tried to make a quick, inexpensive trip to the clinic. 
He said the girl's grandmother was seen at an urgent care center after a car wreck and walked out with a bill of just a few hundred dollars. That's kind of what I was expecting, he said. She just really needed to be looked over. So why was the daughter turned away from this urgent care center? Well, a woman from the Urgent Care Association said that it's pretty standard policy for urgent care centers not to treat injuries that result from car crashes, even minor ones. Generally, as a rule, they do not take care of car accident victims, regardless of the extent of their injuries, because it's going to go through that auto insurance claims process before they get paid. She said urgent care centers, even the ones owned by big health systems, operate on thin margins, and they cannot wait for months and months for an auto insurance company to pay out a claim. She said, unfortunately, people tend to learn about such policies when they show up expecting care. Fold in the complicated relationship between health and auto insurance companies, and now you have what uh, one expert calls um, a wildly complex world that we live in. Each product has its own specifications, health insurance and, and auto insurance. Each product has its own specifications about where to go and what it covers. Each one is incredibly difficult and complex to administer, and each one imposes mistakes on the system. After the girl's car wreck on a wet road outside of Rome, Georgia, her father got a lawyer's letter stating that they owned 17000 for an emergency room visit. And uh, let's see. Uh, oh, and the reason for their visit would be to make sure that she didn't have a concussion. Um, the expert dismissed the idea that the health system might push people in car wrecks from urgent care centers to emergency rooms to make more money off them. Still, Auto insurance generally pays more than health insurance for the same services. At the risk of sounding a little too cynical, there are always dollar signs when a health care provider sees a patient come through the door. Um, a professor of health care policy at Harvard said it was likely strategic for the urgent care center to be right down the street from the ER. Part of the strategy makes sense medically, he said, because if a bad thing happens, you want to get them to someplace with more skill really quickly. But he also said urgent care centers are one of the most effective ways for a health system to generate new revenue, creating a pipeline of new patients to visit its hospitals and later see doctors for testing and follow-up. So anyway, this goes on to say that the mistake they made uh, by trying to uh, follow the rules and the advice from the urgent care, they would have had a, a bill of a couple of hundred dollars, but they did not do what I would have done in the same situation. Um, instead of walking out the door as they were instructed and going to the hospital emergency room, which they know is going to be a, like a, a bogus experience, uh, what they did was they uh, they followed those instructions instead of doing what I would have done, which is pull out my wallet, pull out a credit card, and hand it to the receptionist and say, here, I want to pay for my uh, urgent care visit right now. Because then they're, maybe uh, they've got a couple hundred dollars uh, that they have to settle up with their health insurance company, and maybe that's underneath their deductible for the year. So uh, they wind up paying a couple of hundred dollars anyway. But at least they get to stay at the urgent care they spend a lot less money for the same medical, uh, you know, procedures that uh, the girl went through. Probably took hours less time if I know my emergency rooms like I think I do. 
And they would have been able to walk out without ever having the fear of getting a $17,000 or even a $12,000 bill from the hospital emergency room. And let's assume that $12,000 bill was computed accurately. $12,000 as opposed to $200, that makes a lot of sense to me. So if you're ever faced with the same problem, go with the urgent care. Don't let the hospital emergency room get their hooks into you unless the injuries are serious and uh, that's really the best place to get treated always go to an urgent care if you have the opportunity and if they give you any trouble because it was a car accident and they don't want to take automobile insurance they don't want to wait around for the automobile insurance to pay off then uh, tell them you'll pay for it up front and you'll settle up with the auto insurance company later on be sure and get a receipt so that's the story there and i we might have burned up our whole episode brandy we are out of gas mr jones oh that's a story i've heard so many times well we have two <coughs> marching orders uh we had a meeting i had a meeting with uh, randy carson's uh whole staff the other day and i was instructed to make sure that we ask people for um what do we ask them for we ask them to uh like and subscribe is that what we're going to do uh, yes we want you to go and find our facebook account or you can also go find our podcast distribution yeah. center it sounds it sounds easier if they could just do it right where they're listening to the podcast yeah. where they get yeah, their exactly. podcast downloaded yeah exactly like and subscribe um and the the other place you can like and subscribe is on youtube because we also publish there but just, you know, if you have, you know, a cup of coffee and a few minutes, just do us a favor, go out, find where we publish in all the various different places and just like and subscribe because it gives us a great boost for a number of different, not only, you know, we like doing it and it gives us a great boost mentally to think that somebody enjoys what we're doing also, right, Doug? Well, yeah, but more importantly, it's about algorithms. Apparently, yeah. our lives are ruled by algorithms. And if somebody doesn't click that five-star, we like this podcast, then it's, uh, we're missing out on opportunities, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, Speaking of we, algorithms, I, I, I went the other day and I said, you know, I, I need a second opinion. And the doctor goes, well, I'll give you a second opinion. Not only are you, you know, like really freaking old, you're ugly too. Yeah, that's. I think I told you that one a few years ago, and you still haven't <laughs> stopped enjoying it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. Uh, you got. You're gonna die. Oh yeah. Well, I need a second opinion. Okay, you're ugly too. Yeah. I, I think that came from. Um, why do I hear talking in the background? There's some. There's some voice going. I think a burglar broke in here. A female burglar who was announcing something. I don't know what's going on. Oh, anyway, that was I'm here to rob your studio. <laughs> yes, nice nice of her to announce it. I think that was Milton Burl or somebody came up with that joke. Anyway, so I should let you wrap up the whole episode and I should just keep my trap shut. Well, there's a few things I like always like to do. Uh, you know, send Doug emails. Doug is we we're beginning to get a few more emails, but and it puts a smile on Doug's face, believe me. So send him some, you know, questions, whatever you want to do. DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. We talked about his paperback, the 2022 version with the green numbers, the audio that you can get. And you can get, you know, a Kindle version, although you don't have to have a Kindle to read it because 
I, iPhones and a number of other, you know, electronic devices can read, uh, you know, electronic Kindle format. So I am going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you all for joining us. We oh. always appreciate it. You could have been a number of different places and you weren't. You were here with us listening to the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Thank you for spending your time with us. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma, now hanging out in the high mountain altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude. Bye-bye.